0: Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface-level conversation?
1: Not us. I'm Samantha. And
0: I'm Christian, two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of
1: life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. there.
0: Hello, going there, friends. We are back.
1: Samantha, we've had a chaotic morning, but we're we here. We have. we have. You know, we really need to have a sick day plan for our children and what we're supposed to do if we have an interview like we do right now and I wake up with a sick child that, that can't go to school. So but you know, we'll you guys like entering into the mess
0: with us. So yes, here we are. Here we Welcome are. to our mess. Yes. Welcome to going there. And welcome, Jen
1: Schultz. Yes. So hi, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We jumped in. I'm like, hi, I'm coming in chaotically. Nice to meet you. But this is... <laughs> Getting the full going there vibe of how yes, we are. we operate. normally get here like 20, 30 minutes prior
0: to an interview, especially just like sound check everything. And Samantha walks in a minute. We're like texting babysitters frantically oh, this yeah. morning. We made it work. We made it. Yeah. Here we are. Oh, we're going you there.
2: Made it. Well, I'm half awake. So we're, yes. we're like, there a you big go. Mess it's 7 a.m.
0: for Jen today.
2: <laughs> I know. And so it is. I'm in Washington. So I'm It's bright early. <laughs> I'm trying to get all the light I can because it's super dark outside. Yeah. Are you know. recording from your house? <laughs> I am. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. See? And it's just dark. Like there's nothing I can do. So yeah. I'm like turning on every light. <laughs> well, you look really pretty in the whatever natural light you have. Light. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. you. Thank you. I think it's a natural light bulb or something like yes. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you're
0: ever <laughs> impressed with us by any way, then just don't be because yeah. here we are. We're a chaotic mess most of the <laughs> time. crazy. And we have a great team behind us who help us make it look and feel more professional than we are but for
1: sure we're happy to be here so tell us jen a little bit about yourself you mentioned that you're in the seattle area so jump in share about yourself what you do for work your family all the things
2: Ah, Well, I stay home with my kids when I'm not writing, which actually it's the reverse, like when I'm not taking care of kids, when I'm not cleaning up after them or changing them or whatever the case is, I am writing as much as possible during nap time. I actually have two older kids who are in school. But my youngest was born last year. I actually found out I was pregnant right around the time I signed a book contract, which was crazy. I was like, How God, like, what, <laughs> what is this timing? Yeah. What do you want me to do here? And uh, it was so much God coming alongside me to be able to write this book. But that's, I'm sure, what we'll get to. But yeah, it's very busy. My hands are very full, but my heart is very full too. So. Yeah, we actually are from the East Coast. We moved to Washington just before the pandemic and then everything shut down. So we're still kind of getting used to being here, but we like it so far. And yeah, anything else about me? i drink decaf coffee. We were just talking yes. about that, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I think most people are like, that's unusual. Why would you drink decaf?
0: Well, it's a good conversation starter. I'm like, hey, you're a it mom is, of multiple right? kids and you drink decaf coffee. Well,
1: especially since you have a very young child. Like I heard you mention before we got on the interview about your eight year olds. So I'm like, oh, maybe after the newborn years, you slowly cut back. And you're like, nope, I'm in it. And I'm drinking decaf coffee. That's impressive. All so. in it. <laughs> yes. And
2: I drink caffeinated coffee all through both my pregnancies, like the one cup a day, but I would have like a giant cup. (laughs) I couldn't live without it. So I would have it after my kids were born, I would have like two or three regular cups of caffeinated coffee a day. And then over the pandemic, I just cold turkey didn't have any one day and got so sick. And I was like, okay, this is not working for me. I need to do something different. So I couldn't get rid of coffee completely, but I switched to decaf and it's worked okay for me. I'm a fan. I like how I feel not
0: super caffeinated all the time. That's good. Are you like a tea girly too or just decaf coffee? Or do you do decaf tea? I drink tea
2: tea in like the fall winter time and only like calming herbal teas before bed. Like I don't drink tea to wake up in the
0: morning. That's just not enough for me. I don't know. That's the vibe in Seattle though. It rains so much there. I'm like... I would have to drink a cup just to feel the vibes. Not to really
1: go off on this, but there is something I totally get. You're like, okay, I didn't want the caffeine, but I couldn't give up the coffee. Like there is something so comforting about holding. I mean, I'm so jealous. We just talked about I raced in here. I didn't get to make my cup of coffee out there. Like there's something so comforting about holding a mug of coffee and sharing that with a friend and or just alone. I don't know. Well, people think I'm weird
0: at my office because when I want something like in the afternoon, a hot beverage, I will just drink hot water but I want to hydrate myself, but I want something mm, hot. Yeah. So I just drink hot water. That's fair. <laughs> and they're like, what yeah. are you drinking? I'm like, just hot water. Teach their
1: own. It's weird. Teach their own. I'm weird. Yeah. So Jen, what brought you guys to that area? What caused the move? Was it a job or?
2: We were looking for a change from where we were living. We lived in Virginia, kind of in the country in Virginia. And we're just looking for different pace of life. I'd felt that for years. And I think my husband finally started feeling that too. And we had some family out here. And so we thought, okay, well, let's make a change. Let's do something different. And it's been very different, but it's been very good. It was very good for us during the pandemic. It would have been a very different situation with my husband's job in Virginia. Just things would have been different. I don't think it would have gone the same way. But
0: I'm glad you guys are happy. We're
2: just grateful that God really made the timing happen to get us here when he did.
0: That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's very fun. Well, we're here today to talk to you about an array of topics, but you've come out with your new first book, I guess, new book and a first book. So congrats. It's a big deal. We obviously talk to a lot of authors on our podcast and yeah, they all speak about it differently, but I'm like, what a work of art that you have worked a long time for. So congrats. But your new title is She's Not Your Enemy, Conquering Our Insecurities So We Can Build God's Kingdom Together. So tell us your personal story of just what brings us here today. Why'd you choose to write This book. Guys, if you look it up, it's a beautiful cover. So, yeah, make sure to check it out. We'll obviously link it all. But tell us more about what inspired the writing.
2: Well, I feel like they tell you to write the book that you need and write the book that you wish you had. And so I set out to write a book about comparison because it's always been a struggle. I feel like it's a struggle for everybody. How do I tackle this comparison? Comparison is the thief of joy, right? So, how do I tackle this and really make a change in it in my life? And As I started digging deeper into it, I realized it wasn't so much about my comparison. It wasn't really so much about the other woman that I was comparing myself to. It was so much more to do with my own insecurities and the fact that I wasn't dealing with them with God. I was dealing with them by looking at other people and saying, okay, am I doing better than her or worse than her? And I realized that I really needed to go back to God to have these questions answered. They were important questions, things like, do I belong? Am I lovable? Am I likable? Do I have any value? And I was answering these questions just by, oh, she's so successful. She must be better than me. Or she's so smart. She must be. Just all these things. And it made such a difference to really go back to God with these questions. And I realized I'm not the only one. Let's write about it. (laughs) Let's go through it together. So,
1: yeah. I don't feel like I've seen a lot of Christian perspective on this topic, but it's interesting because I think we hear about it a ton culturally and within the church. I mean, it's just such a natural instinct. And I think for a long time, people kind of peg it on like, you know, women struggle with that. But as my husband and I have been married longer, and I've watched him in his career, whatever, I think it's just a human nature thing too for like, men to struggle with it just as much. And so it's so interesting, because I definitely have seasons where I feel like it's not as much of a struggle. And then I'll kind of slip into a season where I'm like, wait, why am I feeling jealous? Or why am I comparing to this person? And I usually view those as these red flags of some unhealth somewhere. And it's so interesting that that's what you're speaking to of like going back to, okay, what am I not believing about myself through how God sees me that it's causing me to feel this way towards others? Because yeah, anytime you've had experience with someone that you're like, okay, they're just so jealous of me, or I'm so jealous of them or whatever it is, deep down, you know, it's like, okay, well, there's some need that is not being met in either us or them that's causing that to kind of come up. So I just love that you wrote that book about it. And I'm excited to get to read all of it. Well, even to that, it's either something that like we're not
0: seeing in one another, or it's even just a lie that we're believing about ourselves or a lie that we're believing about the other person. And so I love what you said. I think everything you just mentioned there is super relatable of like, we all want a place to belong. We all want a place to feel seen. We all want a place to feel loved. And so you talk in your book, one of the big topics is what do we lose when we see other women as competition rather than community? Can you talk to us more about that?
2: Ah, did you guys see the movie Barbie? Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's a random side note. No, it's good. I keep going back to this because there's that whole speech about how women are supposed to be everything. Like we're supposed to have it all together, look like we have it all together not have any questions, not have any doubts, all these things. I'm kind of adding in my own Christian perspective, but I feel like we're not supposed to have doubts. We're not supposed to struggle. We're not supposed to worry. All these things that we kind of pile onto ourselves that we're supposed to be just everything and all together. And I know for me, I was always falling short of that and I felt frustrated about it. I couldn't understand why. Like I'm supposed to have it all together, but I don't. And I think when we have that mentality, we're so worried about ourselves and keeping it together for ourselves that we miss out on the fact that we can actually help each other. We were meant and created to be in community. And I think about first Corinthians 12, where we're the body of Christ. I'm meant to be one part of the body and she's meant to be another. And we fill in the gaps for each other. We don't have to be everything, which is such a relief to me. (laughs) I feel like I always was pursuing that. I always had to be everything. I always had to fill all the roles and show up all the places and I don't have to do that anymore. And that's such a relief. But I think also we can be motivated and inspired by each other instead of threatened by each other. When we look at comparison in a healthy way, something I was really surprised about in my research was that comparison can actually be healthy. Like there were all these studies in the sixties about social comparison and how It's used to figure out where you belong and who your people are. It's used to help you figure out what you have to contribute and what other people can help you with, like we talked about. And then it helps to motivate you. You can look at someone else and instead of saying, oh, she has that and I don't, you can say, wow, she's doing that. She's a mom with a sick kid and she's here and she's producing her podcast. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) You know, that (laughs) inspires me. Or maybe I can't do that, but I'm still inspired by her. And I think that's awesome, you know? So there's good to comparison. There's actually a healthy side to comparison, but we have to use it the right way instead of using it to measure our worth. We can use it to see each other more clearly and see our differences and appreciate our differences.
1: Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's really wise because I think when you have had an experience with a person who, yeah, the comparison in a healthy way versus the jealousy, it changes everything about your relationship with that woman. You can feel when there is jealousy going on. We've all been in relationships when either we are the one just I mean, you guys know that like feeling when you were just so overwhelmed by jealousy and you really like I hate it because I know I'm not supposed to look at this person this way. I hate feeling this way. It's really only doing harm to myself. But that definitely affects a friendship or even just like any kind of mutual relationship in a big way. You can feel that in the way that your conversations go and the way that you share vulnerably. And so it's so refreshing. Like just as Christian and I, for example, we're friends off of being podcast hosts, like really close friends. And we're so different in a million ways. And if I woke up every day and was jealous that she was such a go-getter and full-time working mom, all of these things, like if I compared What my giftings were to hers, like, we would not work well together in a friendship relationship, in a working relationship. And so it's so cool when you can have the freedom in a relationship to be like, okay, that's really cool that you do that. I want to learn from it. But I don't need to, like, feel like that needs to be me as well. And so... It's easier said than done, but really important and cool. And when you've experienced that feeling, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah,
0: I remember I'm a huge extrovert, a big connector. I love people. I'm just like people all the time. It's like very life giving to me. And I remember like really knowing that about my personality in high school, but not until probably I got into college and like probably right after college, like right, maybe my senior year or the year after. I remember a mentor of mine sharing this with me because I got into a situation where I just felt to be honest, I was saying the words, I just feel like everyone is always like on me about friendships, like I'm constantly hurting people because they're like, oh, you're friends with that person. You hurt my feelings and I felt left out. And to be honest, it was actually my own problem and own insecurity because I wanted to be seen as like the person who was the best connector, who was the best friend. Like I was trying to be the ultimate to like all these people. And so in this really nasty sin tornado of my own, this mentor of mine said like, Christian, I actually think you need to start viewing you and your relationships with others as gifts that like, how can you bring these people together? to say like, oh, hey, here, meet my friend Samantha. This is what I love about her. And I hope you learn to love those same things about her. And I remember it sounds so dumb. And like this is I mean, you guys are like, wow, she's really messed up in her head. But I remember being like, no, but I want them to think I'm the best. I want them to think that I'm the best friend. I don't want to introduce them to that person because then what if she doesn't like me as much because that other person is really cool. But it was like this really big change in my mindset and perspective that I was like, oh, no, these women that I love, I love them for very different reasons. And the gift I have of being their friend is I get to bring them alongside my life to then introduce them to other people and say, hey, I hope you also love this thing that I love about this person. I hope you also feel really cared for and celebrated by this person, how I feel cared for and celebrated by them. And it was a huge switch for me. It sounds so dumb, but now I couldn't imagine walking through my 20s without feeling that because it's given me a lot of freedom in friendship that I'm like, wow, this person's really different than me, but I love that about them. Or maybe even like I click with someone who you don't click with and you're just like, oh, that's different. And I'm like, yeah, I love that about them. And it gives you a lot of freedom to experience how God created other people because not everyone has to be like you. You know, you don't have to be besties with everyone. Yes. And that was like a big mindset change for me. Sounds so silly. No, it's good. Saying it now. No. Yeah,
2: it's really. I think it really does free you to be able to do what God calls you to do, to be able to live out your gifts for God in a completely different way than you would if you were much more worried about scarcity. I feel like fear of scarcity is such a big thing in our culture. Is if she has it, I won't have it. If she's friends with this person, I won't be friends with them. What about that? (laughs) And instead of trying to like grab everything and hold it close to us, this is kind of a moment where we we release it, we let it go, and we see. What God can actually do through us when we get out of our own way.
1: Hmm. We're saying all of this and it makes perfect sense. But the reality is, I mean, I was at coffee today's Wednesday on Monday with a girl who was just like sharing really vulnerably how she was just like wrapped up in feeling jealous or the situation. And so we all can say all these things and probably know this truth to some extent. But when we get into those moments of feeling really insecure, overwhelmed by the jealous feelings, What are you kind of helping us learn in your book? Like, how do we get out of that, move from that, and really get to experience that joy and peace when we're not burdened down by the opposite feelings?
2: Yeah, I really wanted when I was writing this book to kind of start at the top and work our way down. So start with how we view God and how he views us. That's obviously not in the moment. That is something that we have to be doing daily on our own. We have to be having those scriptures at the ready to be able to apply them in those situations. And that's not going to come from just, let me grab it real quick and apply this like a band-aid and keep going. It's like we have to constantly be in the word and be in prayer with God to know his character, to know how he feels about us, to know that he answers all of those insecure questions that we have and addresses them and doesn't want us to feel that way that he calls us chosen and holy and blameless and loved. I'm actually working on memorizing Ephesians 1, because that is the scripture I keep going back to when I need an identity check. (laughs) It's just the fact we are chosen, holy and blameless, adopted. We are given the Holy Spirit. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. I need to know those things in the moment. And if I'm not in my Bible, then that comparison monster is just going to rear its ugly head and pull me into the spiral. So that's the start. And then as we go through, we kind of work our way down. Okay. What are the lies that I'm facing being able to know the difference between, I just don't like her. I'm annoyed with her. I'm just going to write her off and saying, okay, what is it about her? That's getting at me. What's really going on underneath? What do I need to work out with God separately apart from this situation? And just being able to identify it, I think in the moment, even if you can't work through it, you can identify, whoa, wait a minute, that voice is not God's. That voice that's saying, she's annoying, or she's too perfect, or oh, she's so much better than me. That's not from God. So to even just be able to identify that as you're going along. And then we kind of work our way into the practicals. So things like being able to pray for other people, being able to work out our own heartbreak with God and be able to say, okay, I'm going to work this out later. Right now, I'm going to be here and be present with you. And I think what you're doing is awesome. Even being able to say it and get used to like having that come out of your mouth of complimenting someone and being excited for someone, that's not normal in our culture. I feel like we are weird about that. We're like, oh, I can't say wow, I just love that you're doing that. I'm so proud of you. It's not normal. We're much more concerned about like our own appearance or something, I don't really know. But as I've been doing this and as I've been kind of studying it out for myself and trying to live it, I'm like, oh, this comes so much more easily to me now that I recognize a good thing when I see it and can say it. (laughs) So I'm learning how to live prompted by the spirit to say like, wow, I think that's so amazing that you're good at connecting with people. I'm not good at that. I could learn from you, teach me. (laughs) Like that would be awesome. So things like that is just being able to cheer each other on. I actually had a friend recently like message me and say, you're such a great cheerleader. And I'm like, wow, that is God doing a work in me because I used to like see someone else and just be insecure and just be kind of lost in my insecurity. And he's been changing me to get to the point where I'm like, I'm not threatened by you. So I'm just going to cheer you on. I'm excited for you. Yeah. So, I don't know if that all answers no, it, your question. But... There's so much so good practical yes. stuff in that.
1: We have a close friend of ours that we always tell her she's the best cheerleader and when you look at people like that in life, they seem so content, so confident in who God's created them to be. I'm not saying that she doesn't have other things that she battles and struggles with, but it's such a cool way to live, I think, especially as a Christian woman, because when you said the thing of like, I just don't like her, I think we all have a person or maybe a few that pops into your brain of like, I just don't like her and I never will and that's okay. And I was convicted a few years ago about thinking like, yeah, like Christian was saying, I don't need to be best friends or really love spending time with every single girl I come across. But I wanted to start praying through like these girls that I'm saying I don't like or they annoy me or rub me the wrong way. Lord, like, would you just change my heart towards them? Because I really don't want to be a person that has any girl pop to mind that I don't view as She's loved. She was created by God, the same creator who made me and is working in my life and she's worthy and valuable and she has things that she can bring to the table. Like I really wanted that to be my mindset. And again, I'm not perfect in it, but it really was a cool shift for me to say like, yeah, I don't want to have my first thought about anyone to be that I just don't like them. I want to see them as a child of God and whatever else kind of comes in between, like how we interact with one another, that's okay too. But it really can change things when again, through prayer, through God changing my heart, you can view others that way. So I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like I say that often, because even as you went through some of those things, if we are saying, I don't like that girl or she's annoying or like, she's just too perfect. I for sure have thought those things. And honestly, I say this thing to myself that I'm like, just bring it into the light, say the ugly thing in like a safe place. Often that time, that's my husband because he's someone who's like very unrelated to it and he's not another friend of mine. And so I'm just like, I just need to say this thing because the moment it comes out of my mouth, even being a mom now, especially to a female, but just to children, I'm just like, oh, my goodness, would I ever want someone to say that about my child? Like, would I ever want someone to say that about someone who I really value and love? And again, like we're saying, it sounds cliche, but it's true that these people are created by God, that they have value, that they have purpose and how Honestly, like, terrible it is that we're just like, she's annoying. She's always mean. She's, you know, I'm like, the moment you say those things out loud, if you really are willing to like actually pull them out of your head and heart and say them with your mouth, I think it's pretty just eye opening. It's funny you like bring up our friend of ours because I was thinking about her too. This last weekend, I had some family in town and my sisters were around her and she was just kind of going on. I mean, she walked into my house saying a few things and one of my sisters was like, You are just so, like, she turns to my friend and she was like, You are just so great and encouraging other people. She's like, you're so fun to be around. And I remember when I started getting closer to this person, it was almost overwhelming that I was like, are you joking? Like, are you being fake? Like, it didn't feel fake, but I was just like, you can't really be like thinking all these things. And then honestly, the more the years have gone by, That now I think it's one of those things that's contagious because I think as a friend group, we love affirming each other in those things. We love calling each other out on those things, like in awesome ways that we love to just say like, oh, my gosh, you're so good at that. And and I think that's really abnormal. And I wish it was more normal, but I just love that about it because it is contagious. It's something that I don't think you nor I were used to. And now we're like, oh, this has actually come more of like a skill for us because we've been around it more. And what if everyone was like that?
2: Absolutely. And something else that's contagious is just being vulnerable, being the first to say like, oh, I struggle with insecurity and comparison. Hey, I wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's one of those things where you start sharing and more people connect to it than you realize. And I think one of the enemies, the actual enemies, lies for us is that we're the only ones. We're isolated. Nobody else understands. And the more you start talking, the more those barriers start breaking down, the more the perfection mask starts coming off and you really start connecting with people that you never thought you would be able to connect with.
1: That's good. One practical thing, we've shared this on the podcast before, but I was kind of on one a couple years ago about wanting to get more comfortable sharing those little compliments. Like you said, a lot of girls talk with us and we've done so many episodes on just like building friendship in your 20s and 30s because... It's very hard. And so part of that is like approaching someone maybe or breaking the ice and saying something. And so there's big risk, like you were mentioning a few minutes ago about complimenting someone, maybe on like a deep thing of like, hey, I've watched you be like a really great mom recently. Like I like learning from you. I like seeing the way that you parent your kids or even if it's something like I love the way that you dress, like your style is so cute. I really admire it, whatever. That feels like weighty and risky when it's like a girl in your Bible study. I don't know why, but it kind of can. Or like that you see at a coffee shop. But we were challenging some of our listeners a while back to like get practice in that from, okay, the girl at Starbucks when you go through the drive-thru, like, what is something I could look at her? And not, I'm being genuine, but I do try to find something like, hey, your nails are so cute, or I really like your glasses, or whatever. You can just kind of get that practice in. I know it sounds crazy, but like you were mentioning, we are just not people that are good at building others up like that. And so the more we can get practice with it, it then becomes like second nature when I see someone to be like, oh my gosh, like, I just saw you open that door. That was so kind. You're so thoughtful of others. Like it just almost becomes second nature. So that's just a little thing I'm tr- I've am i tried to do over the last few years to help it is get so funny, Even as you say that, though, because I think of like the things I say to my children, like if
0: we all were go back to actually how I'm not saying that like, treat people like kids, but I'm saying if we were all going to go back to how we try to raise kind, morally right, Jesus loving children, I'm all the time like, I mean, just this morning, multiple times I told my kids. Buddy, you are being so kind this morning. I really appreciate you listening. They're like, yeah, how often at work do I see something that was awesome? And I fail to close the loop in saying, hey, that was really awesome. I just saw what you did there. And that person felt really cared for from you. That those are like easy compliments that I think we try to like instill at a young age. And then somehow in adulthood, we're like, mm feels Too vulnerable, feels too cliche, yeah. and it's like, no, be the weird. cliche vulnerable. They're gonna person. think I'm weird, <laughs> they're yeah.
1: gonna think I'm yeah, weird. Yeah, the no. random girl in the coffee shop you is gonna think I'm that weird. I did this, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. it's so well, good. Well, and you just
2: never know, like, what the spirit is prompting you to say, how it's gonna hit that person at the right time. I mean, you just never know what an impact that it makes. It's really looking in people's eyes and seeing them, and that's an incredible thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, you said something in your book that I wanted to dig into because it just like caught me off guard. You said, We'll never be enough, and and that's the great news. Explain this. Yeah. Why is this good news?
2: Well, it's funny. We're in a society that's like, I am enough. Yes, you're I am. Yeah, you're everything. Yeah. Was... You're everything. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to my feeling before just I have to be everything. I always felt like I had to achieve to be approved by God and approved by people. And the more I kept being directed back to scripture, people would share with me, you know, keep looking at this, you know, is that what God really says? The more I realize, no, there's nothing I have to achieve to be enough. God says I'm enough, and that's it. So if it's being determined by the world, I will never be enough. But that's okay. <laughs> and if it's being determined by God, I'm enough. That's it. That's all there is. I don't have to do any more to prove to him that I'm worthy of grace. I don't have to do any more to prove that he should love me. I can release that expectation of myself either way, when it comes to the world or when it comes to God. so, I am, but I also never will be. And that's okay. I keep going back to the scripture that says we are made perfect, but being made holy. We're a masterpiece, but we're still a work in progress. And that's how God sees us. And that's perfectly okay. That's who we are in Him.
1: Uh, And when we can actually believe that and live out of that, our lives are so much more peaceful, and we have that contentment. And it's interesting because we have sometimes these big theological ideas that it's like, yes, I can say that all day, and I believe that. And sometimes getting that to connect to the practical ways that my heart feels every day is more challenging. But I think there's so much goodness, and you were sharing this in the beginning of the episode too, about like why it's so important to be in that daily relationship with Jesus. Because on my own, I can't make that big idea really impact my heart. But the more I know Jesus, the more I read his words, it's almost like, you know, our culture likes to talk about saying it out loud, like speaking it into existence. There is this truth in a biblical sense to me of like, when we speak the scripture, when we memorize it like you were talking about, and have it to go back to, it changes like the thought patterns in our head too of like, oh, this doesn't have to just be a thought that I know. This is actually how I can feel and live out of that every day. And so I hope that our listeners, sometimes when they hear these bigger ideas of like, well, that sounds really great, but I'm way over here right now. I don't know how to connect the two, that it is this process of like, okay, I'm going to continue to remind myself of that truth. And also again, asking God, like, will you help me believe this? Not just know it, but really believe it and let it
0: change my life. Mm -hmm. And transforming the identity that we believe out of ourselves, but also transforming the identity that we put on other people and the expectation we have of other people to meet our needs and to be everything for us and instead looking to God for that. So that is really awesome. Well, thank you for writing your book. Thanks for the time this morning. Why don't you share a little bit just where people can find you how they can connect with you? We'll obviously put that all in the show notes too. But how can they find you?
2: Yeah, well, I am at Jen Schultz author pretty much everywhere. (laughs) So you can look up Instagram threads, Facebook, I'm not really on Twitter so much or X or whatever it is anymore. But threads, I am there all the time. So
1: Okay, that is so funny. We made a thread like right when it came out for our podcast, Instagram. And I keep getting notifications. I run our Instagram and I keep getting notifications that we're getting like all these new followers on threads. And I'm like, I think I've posted three threads. Like who's over on threads still? But Jen is. <laughs> it is the world <laughs> right now. It's, it's
2: I know just, some people love it. It's just everybody's kind of throwing ideas out there and you're yeah. connecting with people. I've been connecting with people like crazy on there. That's so awesome. I love it. I love just, it's a place to share my words. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing to do. So We got to pick yeah. up our
1: game on threads. I know. Well, Christian was sharing earlier and I've looked at your Instagram too. You're an amazing writer. And so you have things on Instagram too. Sometimes there's Instagram accounts that I'm like, yeah, you could follow them. But I'm like, no, people should go follow your Instagram because even if they don't get a chance to read your book or whatever, I think you have a lot of wisdom to offer. So yes. Well, normally
2: I like to say that I am preaching to myself. So whenever it resonates with someone else, I'm like, praise God. But yeah, it's real. It's messy faith, as I call it. It's just me kind of working through things that I used to believe. and now believe differently. I used to be very much focused on shame and trying to be better for God. And now I see it so very differently, just seeing seeing God through a lens of grace. So that's what I encourage for other people. So if that's you, come and connect with me. I like being social on social media. Send me a message. I am at com as well. I have some freebies there. So come say hi anyway, if you like to visit.
1: Yes. Well, thanks again for waking up so early and emotionally going there in a podcast interview. We appreciate your time and excited to read your book. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. Hey, thanks for going there with us.
0: If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast.
1: And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.